Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. And, you know, you can follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Coming up in a half hour, I want to talk to you about something that I've been reading so many news reports about, and that is how much parents are involved in the lives of their adult children in their 20s and 30s. And if you are heavily involved in the life of your adult child, ways that you can do so that will have great benefits down the road. And that's coming up in just 30 minutes. I want to share with you a shocker of a number. There's a new report out that if you get health benefits from an employer, that that employer is spending just under $15,000 per year for your health care next year. 15000 The cost of employer-provided health care is going up at two to three times the rate of general inflation in the economy. And so our employers in the United States end up with so many difficult things going on. One, they might impose on you if they provide health benefits these plans with very high deductibles. And so they're paying all this money for you to have health coverage. And then on top of it, you don't really get the benefit of it usually till you spent thousands of dollars in a year on health care. In addition, if you think of it this way, let's say an employer is paying you $45,000 a year. And so you're thinking that's what you cost them. But just the health care alone, if they're providing you health care, they're at $60,000 a year. And so that's the real cost of the employer. And think of the disadvantage they are as an American company versus companies anywhere else in the world where health care costs, even in the developed world, where health care per employee works out to be substantially less than half what it is in the United States. You know, there's been so much debate in the United States about what we're going to do about Obamacare and what the Democrats did and what the Republicans tried to do and all that. The reality is we have to focus on how we're going to make health care delivery more efficient in the United States and how we're going to get these ridiculous costs down. Because the real problem isn't who pays. The real problem isn't anything about how people get coverage today. The real problem is the overall cost. Now, I just misspoke. I said the real problem is not how people get coverage today. That's wrong because actually one of the things that has to change is this history in the United States that led to this historical accident based on something known as wage price controls that led to employer involvement in health coverage has led to a lot of the problems we're having with distortions in the marketplace 
and with this confusion about who the real customer is. Because so often in the United States, you as the patient are not considered to be the customer. And so much of what's wrong with healthcare is about the patient not being the customer. So I got to tell you, if I were your emperor, the role of an employer in healthcare would end. And we would eliminate this whole thing of who's a first-class citizen in a place of work and who's a second-class citizen of a place of work based on whether or not they get health coverage. And you know what else would happen? We would end up with something much more marketplace-based if across the country people were responsible for getting their own coverage. However we would shape that, we would be far better off if the consumer was the customer. Bernard is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bernard. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Bernard. You are looking to try to make money you're saving work for you. And right now, it seems to be a weakling working for you, doesn't it? It does, yes. I'm trying to get the uh, the best bang for my buck. Right. So I'm looking at an online bank in a certain company, and um, I was looking at them. They don't have any uh, monthly fees, no minimum to open, and plus the rates. I'm a member of a credit union, but their rates are better than the credit union. So I just want to ask you, what do you think about opening up? You know, do they have good service, good reputation? So with the online banks, which um, don't have branches or any of that, the cost of their overhead is so low that they can offer interest rates that are more than 100 times higher than the four giant monster megabanks and usually about 10 times higher than what most credit unions offer on savings. So which one are you looking at? What online bank are you considering? I'm looking at Barclays. Okay. They're a a very well-established international bank, and they're paying, what, about 1.25% now? They are, exactly. All right. There are some paying a little higher than that now. Okay. Um, but still, uh, the highest I'm looking right now at a list that we have through Clark.com, the highest is 1.3% I'm seeing. So pretty equivalent. But the, oh, wait, here's some that are now 1.4. Oh, wow. Great. And so with any of these online banks, you're not doing a lot of transactions. You're just no, it's just somewhere put, I want to just, you know, put stash that Stash your cash. It's, yeah, cash. That's right. The cash, exactly. So uh, whoever, as long as they're FDIC insured, you're fine. I have, to this date, I have never had a complaint about a savings account at an online bank. Okay, great. So I think you're just fine. And... 1.20 is great, but if you can get it a little higher, exactly. 1.25, take it higher. I will, man. Thank you for that great advice. I really appreciate that, Clark. Have a great day, Bernard. Sherry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm fine. Thank you for taking my question. Certainly. Um, my question is, um, I wanted to know your opinion on... Um, the various food delivery services that are out now that deliver not only from restaurants but also from grocery stores. Um, I haven't used one yet. I'm scared because I heard that the markup for the things that you buy is totally off the chain and that there's a lot of extra fees that they tack on to the final price. So um, 
I'm scared to try them. What, right. What so let's talk. Let's talk first. Supermarket <laughs> delivery because the restaurant and supermarket they're they're pretty much two different markets. So with the supermarket mm-hmm. delivery, how interested are you in that? Very much because I I don't have a car and the grocery store is not exactly next door to me. So um, I would have to take a Uber or a Lyft to get there. All right. So with the with the supermarkets. All the big supermarket chains are experimenting now with their own delivery programs. And some are experimenting with pickup programs. Those don't work for you, but the delivery programs, and they're either doing them themselves or they're doing them with a, a, a joint venture partner who handles the delivery part, picking the items and packing them up for you and delivering them. And depending on how much in groceries you buy at a time, the delivery charge will not hurt you any significant amount because think about it you have an expense getting to and from the store anyway so if you pay a five dollar delivery charge or seven dollar delivery charge and they're only charging you the price for the items in the store you'll be fine okay because that'll be probably a lower cost than you'd have getting to and from I'm thinking that you're right. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I just heard that they, in order to make their service, uh, I guess, available to more people or something, that they mark up the items in the right, right. Store. So, so that yeah. happens. I talked about one recently on the show called Boxed, and that's what they do. They deliver for free, but they, the stores they buy from, there's the store price, and then they mark up the items. So you're paying more for each item than you would have if you went directly to the store itself. Mm-hmm. And then it's supposedly free delivery. And then others are charging you the store price, and then they're charging you the delivery charge. So how many big supermarket chains are there in your area? There's, uh, well, I guess you don't probably want me to name them, but there's quite a few um, of, of big chains. So and, go to their websites... Go to their websites, the ones that you that you like shopping at, and see if they're offering a delivery option, and they'll lay out for you how it works. And the legit ones, the ones that I consider to be legit, will be selling you at street price, exactly what you'd pay if you went to the store, and then they're open and honest with you about what that delivery charge is. Okay. It, it sounds to me, from what you're telling me, that it would be better to see if I can deal directly with a, with the store. 100% on thing. groceries. Yes, versus going through a third party. Uh, third parties. Right. Now, let's talk about the food delivery from restaurants. <laughs> the food delivery from restaurants, there's always going to be an embedded cost. There's labor involved. It's pretty intensive to get the food order together, get it packed for going out the delivery person bringing it to you he or she's going to expect a tip and should receive one so you already pay a convenience when you eat out and you're going to pay more convenience when you have delivery from a place and there i can give you there's a bunch of different delivery services and you can see how each of them work in your area there's uber eats there's um doordash Grubhub, just to name a few. We have more on our 
website like Postmates and see what how each of them do it and and then compare it to the actual prices on the restaurant you're interested in getting food from their own menu and then you'll have a sense if you're getting clobbered having delivery or not but the grocery side of it the grocery side so competitive and so experimental i bet you'll find things available in your area for grocery delivery that will work for you cheryl's with us on the clark howard show hello cheryl how you doing Hey, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you. You want to talk about buying a leisure item, a hot yes. tub. Yes, I do. Uh, my husband and I are looking at buying a hot tub this fall, and we're trying to weigh uh, our options in terms of where to purchase. So we're looking at the big box stores, um, and you know there are issues with delivery. Most of them will only do curbside delivery, and then we'd have to do the installation and setup and all that fun stuff so i'm trying to weigh a big box store versus you know going to a local dealer and if you have any they're incomparable i mean you cannot compare the two because with the volume of the the warehouse clubs Mm -hmm. what costco and sam's are able to sell the hot tubs for is generally it's a no frills kind of thing not the hot tub itself but you know they're just delivering it to you and then you've got to figure out either hiring a third party to do the electrical, the install, and all that. And so it's it's not turnkey like going to a local dealer that hopefully has been there for a good while and will be there moving forward for service getting it in and service after the sale. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you really should use dollars as the trigger point for your decision. Uh-huh. If there's a hot tub you're looking at and you can buy it independently from one of the warehouse clubs, pay whoever it is to uh, do the install for you and still save north of $1,000, I would say that that north of $1,000 is when it's worth the extra effort. Less than $1,000, go ahead and pay a local dealer and have the whole thing turnkeyed. Got it. Yeah, and it's it's kind of looking like the big box would would be a better option for me then. Oh, it is substantially more than a thousand. You'd save. Yeah, I I think it is. Yeah. Okay. So. Make sure you've included every cost you have with whatever uh, base you need to put in, whatever you need to do on a deck, the electrical you need to have. As long as you've got it all in on costs and you know you can save well more than a thousand dollars, I would do it that way. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks for you. Yeah, Clark. Sean wants to know, when is the best day of the week to buy airline tickets? There is no best day of the week to buy airline tickets anymore. There used to be a clear pattern on that. It's gone. What is clear are the best days to travel are very much present, and they are Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Perhaps best of all, Saturday afternoons after 2 p.m. So there are travel day cycles that work to your advantage as a leisure travel traveler, but there aren't necessarily specific days of the week that work best to buy a ticket. Another thing about buying tickets, there's been a lot of data run 
when is the best time to buy a ticket? When will you get the lowest fare? There have been projections that it's 42 days out, approximately six weeks time period. There are others that say for international, you want to be roughly 85 days out. But those are just almost like educated guesses. I will tell you what's not. If you are traveling domestic in the United States and you cross 21 days before you buy your ticket, almost always you'll end up paying a lot more for your airfare by letting it go within 21 days. So those are general markers. The best place to look for airfare is google.com slash flights. Again, google.com slash flights. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. Clark.com slash ask is where you go to ask questions of me. You also at Clark.com can see how to ask questions off the air. We do that as a free service of the Clark Howard Show, 45 hours each week. And so you can talk with a member of Team Clark, run a situation by them, get advice, whatever, for nothing. So hours, phone number listed on the main screen of Clark.com. I take so many questions, and it's so much a part of modern life, that parents are helping their adult children in any of a number of ways financially, helping them with expenses of daily living, helping them with getting another car or getting a car or getting a car repaired, uh, buying stuff for them, and this is Wonderful that parents are there to help their kids and hopefully have the resources to do so. And there are lots of families, truth be told, that parents are helping out adult children that you're in a position you really can't afford to do so and you're harming your own standard of living by helping out your adult kids. And please be very careful out of love for your kids crossing a line where you bring harm to yourself. But if you are in a position that you can afford to provide help to adult children, I think what has to come first is something I talk about even when someone's a teenager, and that is create incentives for young adults instead of just gifts of money to young adults. The area where young adults need a booster shot so much is getting started saving for the long term. And the reason that's so much higher priority is that if you go back two generations ago, the overwhelming number of people in the workforce had an employer paid for and provided pension. That If they worked long enough at a place, they were in the golden handcuff, golden handshake, whatever you want to call it, and just by years working for an employer, you were automatically creating the path to a comfortable retirement. That has been steadily becoming a past tense thing for the last 20 years. And today it's very rare 
that someone works at a place where they have an employer-provided pension. And a lot of places that do are eliminating theirs. So where your adult children could use the most help from you is with incentive match money. Let's say you say to someone in his or her 20s or 30s, you know what, I've had a good year. I'd like to help you build some money for your future. Every dollar you come up with for a Roth IRA, I'll match with a dollar. Up to what you can afford naturally. So let's say an adult child comes up with $1,000 and you match it with 1000 that 2000 done in somebody's 20s will be a significant amount of money 40 years later. And on like that, even up to a point, if you could afford to match dollar for dollar, up to the point where they're popping 5500 in in a year, you're making a big difference. You know, building financial security for the long haul and building a habit in your adult children to save for the future is really a place where you can really make a legacy mark. On the other hand, feeding into current spending for an adult child doesn't teach limits, discipline, or making choices with how money spent. So I think the great role a parent can play, if a parent can afford it, is creating the right kind of incentives when a son or daughter is in his or her 20s and 30s. That's where you make the impact. Becky is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Becky. Hi. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um... So I go ahead? Yes, please. Okay. Um, my daughter and son-in-law and the two-year-old granddaughter booked a trip to um, Greece. And I am just worried sick about them taking, taking the granddaughter to Greece. I respect your opinion, and I know you're a world traveler. I just wanted to know what your thoughts are. So I'm always a terrible person to ask if it's okay to travel somewhere. Because I just, I just don't really have those kind of fears. And I'll give you an example. I want to give you perspective that when you ask me this, you're going to hear a slanted viewpoint. So we okay. as a family went to Europe this summer. And we went to Brussels, Belgium is where we flew to. That's not where we were actually headed to. We were headed to Barcelona, Spain. But we flew to Brussels because the airfares there were half what they were to Barcelona because people have been worried sick about going to Brussels because of past ugly terrorist incidents there. Uh And I, I know the odds are much greater that someone would be in an accident going to the airport to take a trip than they're ever going to be in the midst of a terrorist attack anywhere in Europe. So even though things do happen, it's so relatively rare. And there was something I did uh, back, I think in May, I did a thing where I laid out what the odds were 
of different things happening to someone who was on a trip to Europe. And it was amazing how many obscure things someone was more likely to die of than ever being in a terrorist attack. So, it, yes, it, it does happen, but the chances something would happen to, to a precious family member of yours is so unbelievably remote. So would a two-year-old be okay? I mean, what, do the, what precautions should they take? Like, I mean, I'm worried about, you know, transportation, car seat, medical. Oh, oh okay. Sick. All right. So you're not worried specifically about the angle of terrorism going to Greece. You're more worried just generally that your two-year-old granddaughter is going to be on foreign soil on a trip. Yeah. I mean, terrorist is, is a worry, but... You know, it sounds you're like just you're go just no generally <laughs> you're just generally afraid what could happen. All right, yeah. so I, so I was in Greece um, two years ago, and I would say that the greatest danger to a two year old is secondhand smoke because it seems like it is a national requirement in Greece that every living person smoke. Okay. I mean that is that is the one thing that drove me crazy is all the cigarette smoking. But as far as safety, I mean Greece, nobody ever used to even think about using a seatbelt. I saw people overwhelmingly wearing seatbelts. I saw people uh Greece used to have a reputation like in Athens that people drove like they were at a demolition derby. I didn't mm-hmm. see that anymore. It seems there's been a, a change in the culture that has made transportation safer. I do think it would be very worthwhile for your, uh, you said it's your daughter going with the granddaughter, to take a good car seat with her. I know it's a hassle to take one flying, but uh, as far as as your granddaughter being in any kind of uh, specific or significant danger going, I don't see it. Okay, okay. So I have a request. Yes. Why don't you go on the trip? I was thinking about that, but I don't know if I have the time. I can get the time off from work. Oh, figure that out and go. I mean, it's a trip of a lifetime. The The historical stuff you get to see is magnificent. And then your daughter has a built-in babysitter and grandma. Right, right. So, I mean, is they got a really good deal. And, I mean... Sometimes I think it's too good to be true. I, mean, I, I would say uh, you should rest assured and rest easy. But again, I really feel that when it feels out of control to you, the best thing to do is go along and you'll feel fine the whole time. You won't have the anxiety that you feel with them being far away in Greece. Ralph is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ralph. Hey, Clark. Ralph, you have a special tip you want to pass along to your fellow listener about saving money, don't you? Indeed, I do. Let's hear. Well, I need to have a a minor outpatient procedure done, and the doctor's office gave me the choice of two places to go to have it done. Both of them outpatient facilities, and they said one's going to be a little more expensive than the other. And I said, well, then I want the other one. Besides, it was closer to my house. They mixed it up and booked me at the other one. So at first, my wife and I said, well, you know, how much different can it really be? You know, it's not a long procedure. It's not, and I've already paid the doctor. This is just for the facility and the anesthesia. 
But I thought, well, let me call anyway. So I called the one that I had called before, and they gave me the exact same prices. And then I called the other one, and they said, well, let us talk to your insurance. We'll call you back. And they did that. They called me back. And in the process of telling me, you know, with your deductible and out-of-pocket and such, what the price would be, they said, oh, and by the way, uh, it's a $24,000 operation. I said, $24,000? Really? And they said, yeah. And so I thought, that just doesn't sound right. I called the other place back to check again, and they said, oh, did you talk to that other place? I said, yeah. Did they tell you it was like $24,000? I said, that's exactly what they told me. The total price at the place I'm going to get it done $2,100. Wait, 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 wait. You drop a zero, it goes from 24000 to 2100 Indeed. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that dovetails with, with the research on doing something like having an MRI done? That one place an MRI will be a couple hundred dollars, another place it might be 6000 for the same exact it's MRI. It's crazy. And I asked for self-pay prices at both. The one that was more expensive was going to go file the insurance. So whereas my part of that tab, I think, was like $4,4200, they were going to charge the remaining 20 to the insurance company. Whereas at the place I'm going, which I'm doing totally self-pay, and I may file the insurance or not, it's just $2,100. A la carte. That's just absolutely such valuable information for your fellow listener. And the yeah, fact that you, you know, so often with medicine... People just go wherever they're told, and they assume whatever it is is what it's going to be. But if you'll take the time and shop around, the difference can be massive. And, and I know there are people who have this mentality, oh, if it's more expensive than that other place, it must be better. Uh, well, you know, the same doctor is doing the procedure either place, and that's what I really care about. And, you know, I'll mention this. There's even a possibility, since I had this same procedure done about 10 years ago, that my insurance might say, oh, that's pre-existing. We're not going to cover it. If I went to the more expensive place, I could be on the hook. For, for the whole $24,000. Yeah. So yeah. I called him back and said, you know what? I really can't afford the risk to have it done there. we got to reschedule and book it at the place that's reasonable. Well, that is a very smart thing you did shopping around and... There are people that shop around for the greatest deal on a pair of shoes and don't do so on medicine. Remember, if you shop around and you compare, it's your money you could be saving big time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jim. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. So, Jim, I understand you're a member of Team Clark. 
Well, an unofficial member, I guess, yes. No, no. If you did something to help somebody, you are automatically an official member of Team Clark, for whatever that's worth. Tell me what you did. Well, I went to the grocery store to buy a lottery ticket. Ahead of me in line was an older man. He was in his 80s, and he was talking on the phone, and the lady was trying to help him. He then went away and went toward the gift card department. I got to the counter, and the lady told me that she thought he was being scammed. So at that, I started listening in on his call and watching him, and he was looking for all sorts of gift cards. I went over to him with a note and said, I think you're being scammed. And he looked up at me, and he got off the phone, and I talked to him for a second, and he told me that he was, they were telling him the jury duty story, which was you oh. um, didn't show up for jury duty, and you're going to have to pay us $2,000 or oh. come arrest you. So I said, you're being scammed. Get off the phone. And he did. And then I noticed in his, in his hand he had some papers, including a cash envelope from a bank. And I uh, saw so it was from Wells Fargo. He had taken out $2,020. And he was trying to send it to these people. So I took him to the Wells Fargo in the shopping center. We deposited the money back into his account. And I sent him on his way home and told him, don't answer those calls anymore. Jim? If we did have an official Team Clark member, you're it. Well, it was pretty exciting. I've never seen one of these scams in action before, but it just turned out that uh, they have, I guess I happen to be the right place at the right time, and I happen to be able to get involved in other people's business. Well, I am so glad you're a nosy guy. I'm so glad the person behind the counter told you that, that they thought that this was a scam unfolding, and... That is such a great service you did. And you know what else you did? You've now told millions of people about the jury duty scam, which I haven't talked about the jury duty scam in probably more than a year. Well, bring it up. It's out there. Can, Can we recognize the lady at the counter, though? She was the real hero here. She recognized this and just happened to tell me. Well, do you know her name? Yep, Hazel Lambert. Hazel Lambert, good job. You are deputized also as a member of Team Clark. Cool. Great stuff, and all the way around, except for what kind of hoodlums would try to steal $2,200 from an elderly gentleman and who thought he was going to go to jail. And I just want everyone to know what Jim knew already that when somebody calls you and says, pay us right now or you're going to jail, you didn't show up on your jury duty summons, and this is how we want you to pay us, go buy these kind of cards, give us the numbers off the back of them, blah, blah, blah. It is all a scam. Nobody's coming to take you to jail. Nobody's saying pay them some kind of super secret way. It's just a ripoff. And Jim, you're my hero. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to Clark.com slash newsletters.